Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Uh, go to John chapter 21 and I'll get there in just a minute. And I was thinking about today and I was thinking about our chili, our Todd and Vito's Lone Star chili to be exact. And, um, that's T-O-D-D. Any, anyway, you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, cause you'll have to write it down later. And so me and Vito, uh, me and Vito broke fast a little early yesterday because we started, we went to the gym, and then after the gym, we went and started preparing this magical chili. And so uh, we had to break fast a little bit early because we had to taste and sample some things and whatever. And what we were talking about was is like how incredible it is to just like have a meal with somebody, just to fellowship around some food. Like there's something about food that brings people together, isn't it? Like any event that you do, whether it's a party, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a funeral, you bless God, you put some food in there. Um, you know, sometimes when you have to have a difficult conversation, you're like, hey, let's have coffee. You know what I mean? Or if you find a pretty girl or a handsome dude, you're like, hey, let's have coffee. And so Food is the connector of souls. And what I realized is, is that I think uh, Jesus knew that. And so Jesus is always eating food. And I'm not joking. I mean, like literally, if you go read the Bible, Jesus is always eating food. His very first miracle was not opening up blind eyes or making a lame person walk. It was turning water into wine at a wedding feast. Because back then it would have been super lame to run out of wine, you'd have been embarrassed. Um, one of the only miracles that's recorded in all four of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus literally feeds tons of people in this incredible and miraculous way. There's this one story where uh, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, and when he's done, he's like, hey, um, do you think you could make us some food? It was literally the next thing that he said. I don't know if healing her took a lot out of him, He's like, yeah, it took a lot out of me. Can you make me a sandwich? And so um, what you find constantly throughout the Bible is that Jesus is eating food to the degree that there's a group of people in the Bible. They're kind of like the Klingons of the Bible or the patriots of the Bible. They're called Pharisees. And um, people don't typically like these guys. They're kind of bad, mean religious leaders. And these guys accuse Jesus of being a glutton and a wine bibber because he liked dinner parties so much. So he finds this tax collector who everybody hates because he's like a dirty IRS agent. And he says, hey, I want to come to your house and have dinner. And he does this on multiple occasions. He finds people that are not included, that would not ever go to church. He goes, hey, I just want to come have dinner with you. Can we do that? And he did it to the degree that people accused him of being a glutton and a a wine bibber. And so um, take that for what you will. Even communion, you need to think about this. There's 613 commands in the Old Testament of stuff that you had to do. And um, there were all these different feasts and festivals and ordinance and traditions and things that you had to do. And Jesus says, well... You don't have to do any of those anymore, but here's one that I really, really want you to do. Uh, it's called communion. You just, it's bread and wine and you celebrate my death and resurrection. That's pretty cool. Like communion. Like that's what you left us with. Have some bread and some wine and celebrate you. Okay. I, I can do that. I can get behind that. And what you find is, is that Jesus apparently just likes food and he likes to eat. But what you find is, is that I think he likes the communion. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word for table and reconciliation is the same word. 
Because if I wanted to reconcile, something was broken between us, I would say, let's come sit at a table and reconcile. It's incredible. So check this, check this. When Jesus rises from the dead, there's only a few encounters that he has after the resurrection that they record. Do you know what all three of them have in common? Food. The only thing I could think is that he was fasting for the three days that he was in the grave. And I'm just really hungry because when he comes out, he goes, there's a, there's one story called, the, it's called the road to Emmaus. He starts traveling with these two guys and they don't know it's Jesus. Somehow he's kind of blinded to their eyes or he, I don't know what it is. They don't know it's Jesus. And so he walks with them for a few hours and the conversation begins with, hey, did you hear what went down in Jerusalem? Did you hear that they crucified this guy that was the Messiah? And, yeah, and, and Jesus is like, no, tell me about it. And so, and, and, and he goes, oh, and then he schools them. He gives them a Bible study for a few hours on a walk. And then at the end of this walk, Jesus is going to keep going. And they're like, hey, it's almost dark. You should come in and like stay the night. And, and it says they sat down and that when they broke bread, their eyes were open. And they were like, oh, it's Jesus. It was by breaking bread or sharing a meal that they actually began to see Jesus again. I need you to think about this stuff. There's another one where Thomas is, uh, you know, not around. Jesus shows up to the disciples, but Thomas is not around. And then when Thomas gets back, they're like, dude, Jesus was just here. And he's like, man, this is like the cruelest, meanest joke y'all can ever play. How are y'all going to tell me Jesus rose from the dead? Y'all are mean. Anybody ever played a mean joke? Like they thought it was funny, but it was cruel. And you were like, too soon. That's what they did to Thomas. And he's like, too soon. Not cool, man. And they're like, no, he really was here. So Jesus shows back up. And Thomas is like, it's a ghost? You know, I don't know, I don't know what to make of it. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Um, as a matter of fact, make me some food. And they, they made fish and honeycomb. Because he goes, ghosts don't eat. At least that's what we believe, right? Ghosts, ghosts don't eat. So he's like, just give me some food. And so they eat food. And that's how he engaged. Now, this is the best one. And I'm going to read this story because it's too good. There's a story where Jesus, again, introduces food as a way of saying, here's what I really, really want from you. Are you ready? Watch this. So John chapter 21, I told you I'd get to it eventually. Here we go. Afterward, Jesus appeared again. Everybody say again. Why? Because he's already done this before. He's appearing again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas also known as Didymus. If you're looking for a cool boy name, I'm going to throw that out there. Didymus. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. That would have been James and John. And then two other disciples who got hosed and their names are not mentioned. Wouldn't you be mad? You're like, that was me. No one will ever believe you. No, I promise it was me. They just didn't write my name down. Um, I'm going to fish, Peter says. Which again, Peter, when Jesus found him, was a fisherman. He found him on the Sea of Galilee, cleaning his nets. And a long time ago, Jesus said, hey, follow me. And he found him as a fisherman, said, leave the nets, you're going to follow me. But Peter, at this point, is like, my life is wrecked. Jesus is gone. I don't know what to do with my life. You know what? I'm going back. I'm going fishing. And what do your buddies tell you? Well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them and said, friends, have you any fish? Now, if you've ever been fishing and if you ever fished all night and you caught nothing, you are incredibly agitated. 
Like this was a waste. This was stupid. Can you imagine? Everybody was like, see, Peter, this is dumb. We should have never done this. And, and, and this is like, Jesus is almost like poking at him a little bit. Like, hey, you guys, hey, you guys got any fish? No. It's the only answer they give. No explanation. No. So Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some, which sounds brilliant, right? And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish, which again takes them back to the moment they first met Jesus, where Jesus had already pulled this trick on them. Jesus had already performed this miracle. Hey guys, you caught anything? No. Hey, just flip it on the other side. Like that is the dumbest thing in the world. We are, we are professional trained fishermen. We know what we're doing. That doesn't work. Just do it. And they all catch a bunch of fish. So what happens? Jesus performs the same miracle again. So he takes them back. And then all of a sudden John's radar pops on. So he says, the disciple whom Jesus loves says to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon heard this, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him because he had taken it off and jumped into the water, which makes no sense. When you go swimming, you take your clothes off. You don't put more clothes on, which is another reason why I think the Bible writers actually like we're just telling the truth because you would never say something like ridiculous. No, he really did. He put his coat on and then jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, this is what they find. They saw a fire of burning coals there with some fish on it and some bread. Now, this is what's so cool about the story is that you have to remember Peter's life and story is that he begins this journey of following Jesus and he has all kinds of like highs and lows. He has like good points and bad points, but he had just ended on a really low note because at the crucifixion, he was the one that said, I'm not with Jesus. I don't even know that guy. He was saving his own skin. He thought if they know I'm with Jesus, they'll kill me too. I'm out. So he's yelling and cussing and screaming, saying, I don't know him. I'm not with that guy. Jesus is crucified and Peter is nowhere to be found. And Peter feels like a dirt bag. He feels like the scum of the earth. He feels like a failure. He feels like, no, I have, I, I didn't just not believe. I utterly rejected Jesus. So you know what? I'll just go back to my old life. I'll just go back to my boat and my fishing. And Jesus shows up. Now, this is, this is what I find fascinating. All of Peter's life, the agenda had always been fish. Here's what I know about you. You have an agenda for your life. And it's a little bit different. Like some of you are like so bent on like, no, no, I need to make money. I got to get ahead. I want to be successful. I got to have these things. I want to live in that house. I want to drive that car. For some of you, it is relationally driven. Oh, I want that boy. I want that girl. I want to be married to him. I want to be married to her. I no longer want to be married to them. I'd rather be married. You've got your agenda. And you've got to think. All of us in the depths of our soul are really all longing for the same things. We are all longing for something called peace. Aren't we? Don't you want to like just... You are all longing for joy. We're all longing for like meaning, significance, and purpose. There's nothing worse than like realizing that your life didn't accomplish anything, didn't mean anything, had no value to. We are all at the end of the day looking for the same thing. And what I want to show you is this. 
is that when you look at this story, what you find is that Peter went back to looking for what he had always been looking for, something to validate him. But in the end, he finds Jesus. And Jesus gives him everything he ever wanted. And then when he shows up on the shore, he says, I've actually already prepared it for you even. Here's my point. Everything you have ever been longing for in your life has already been prepared for you in Christ. And the reason why we live such unhappy, unsatisfied, joyless lives is we keep pursuing it in all the things. We keep looking in our boat and searching for the fish and we don't know it's already been prepared for you in Christ. And what he's longing for, because he obliterates your religious notions. He just wrecks them. Because most of us have these religious notions that if I do these things, God will like me. If I perform these things, if I go to church, say enough Hail Marys, walk enough old ladies across the street, do enough good deeds, if I, maybe if I'm good enough, then God will like me. That is religion. You know what the gospel says? He already likes you. As a matter of fact, he loves you. And he is inviting you into, mm, not a religious system, he is inviting you into a relationship. I'll prove it to you. All he really wants to do is share a meal with you. The point of Jesus is to not give you a new set of rules and religious ideas. It is to share, it is to commune with you. It is to share a meal with you. It is to have relationship with you. I'll prove it to you and I'll wrap it up on this. Revelation chapter three, verse 20 says this. Here I am. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone, everybody say anyone. That's including your jacked up self. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and... Man, that don't sound like religion. I have, Joey, I've never heard this before. I thought I had to be good and perform and measure up and do all the right things and say all the right things and then God would like me. And Jesus said, actually, all you have to do is open up the door of your heart and then we'll share a meal together. And that is the starting point of everything. Walking with Jesus, knowing Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus, communing with Jesus fixes everything. I've never really thought too much about rules. I just thought if I walk with Jesus, those rules will take care of themselves. I don't even have to think about them. I don't have to think about being good. I just have to think about, I should just stay close to Jesus. Because you can't help but be in his goodness as you walk close to him. Um, last thought, and I'll pray. The Bible says that at the end of all things, when we gather together in heaven, it says that we gather together and we celebrate something called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you know what you'll do in heaven? You will eat. Today we have chili for you because we want you to eat and we want you to fellowship and we want you to commune and we want you to have fun. Do you know what Jesus is really saying? Let's share a meal together. Let's eat. Let's, let's, let's commune. Let's, let's reconcile. Maybe you need to come to the table of Christ and reconcile. Maybe there's something in your heart, something you've been longing for, something you've been pursuing, and you know it's empty. Because that's, see, the reason why you keep trying different things is because none of them really satisfy you. And ultimately, everything you ever longed for has already been prepared for you in Christ Jesus. He is looking to have a relationship with you, to fellowship with you, to commune with you, to share 
a meal with you in this life right here, right now, and even in the life to come. Would you bow your heads with me today? Here's my invitation to you. My invitation to you is simply this. Will you open the door of your heart and just say, you know, Jesus, I don't have all the right answers. I don't know all the right doctrines. I can't quote all the right scriptures. I certainly haven't performed or behaved good enough. But then today you realize that that's not the important thing. The important thing is that you open the door of your heart and that you share a meal with Jesus, that you fellowship, that you commune, that you have relationship with Jesus. And that takes care of everything else. So today, if you're in here and you say, you know, I am away from God. I, I don't know God. I haven't been walking with God. I feel, I feel distant, but I want to know God or walk with God. And I, I don't even know what that looks like, but I know that I need it and want it in my life. And on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up in the air. Everybody's head is bowed and eyes are closed. It's just me and you. We're just hanging out. And what I want you to do is by raising your hand, just say, yes, that's me. I want Jesus in my life. I want to know what it means to walk with Jesus and know Jesus and to share a meal with Jesus. Because in that, you find freedom. In that, you find forgiveness. In that, you find significance and meaning. In that, you find joy. In that, you find everything you've been longing for. So on the count of three, just slip your hand up in the air and say, that's me today. One, two, three, and slip that hand up in the air. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Now, listen, listen, listen. I'm telling you that it's an invitation to walk with Jesus. It's an invitation to share a meal. And it is an invitation that is open for you today. And so here's what I want you to do. I'm, we're going to pray together and all of us will pray together kind of out loud so you don't have to feel like you're all alone doing this. And so a church, I need you to help me out and encourage those around you. And so I want you to pray this little prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It's just a starting point. You would, it, it would sound something like this. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and change my life. Help me to know you, to walk with you, to fellowship with you. I believe that you died on my behalf, that you rose again so that I could have life in you. Help me, Lord, today and every day for the rest of my life to know you. That's my prayer today. It's in your name that I pray. And we all said together, Amen. Can you give Lord a big hand clap this morning? Yeah. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.